Thank you for downloading this Brum Radio podcast. For more podcasts, visit brumradio.com. Barbara Nice in kids, Barbara's in strides at Nice in the Biscuit, and <laughs> I don't know how to do that because it makes Paul, my lovely Paul, my producer Paul, <laughs> laugh. That is my trumpet, like in Shrek. And this time the trumpet of celebration is celebrating 50 episodes of the Mrs. Barbara Nice and Friends podcast, where every single one I have made with. Paul. Hiya, Paul. Hello. Hiya, When we first started to do this, is very much pre-lockdown. When did yeah. we start doing it? Though? I think it was October 2018. It took one and a half years ago. Right, and I, we were doing them not very regularly at no. that time. So I how many this... have we done since, since <laughs> the lockdown? Let's do the maths. Yeah, I think it's our 30th or 31st or something. I'll have a look. Right. <laughs> so we've done 31 in seven weeks. <laughs> <laughs> We'd only made 50 since 1918. Not 1918. 2018. 2018. <laughs> 2018 HRT rescue. So, 19. Mm. Divided by 2. 80 years. We've done 80 years. Yeah, I think this is our 32nd, it says on there. I've just looked on the list. <laughs> so, we've done 80 years, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> up to this global uh, pandemic. Oh, dear. And then. That which galvanised Paul and I. <laughs> we were picking galvanised. Um, been covered in bronze or each other And he was in his shed. And so he's, a, he's in his girlfriend's flat with a Juliet bow. <laughs> I'm at home in the back bedroom. And a sing-star microphone. Of other people's garden. <laughs> and a sing-star and microphone. The... Oh, you've got a sing-star microphone. Yeah. And I'm up here. And uh, we've, not, we've not stopped, have we? Like, no. <laughs> we've, we've, been put, we've been putting them out. Mostly daily, but Paul's very mm. good. He's got a good, got a good attitude towards work, which is make sure you have a weekend and bank holidays. Mm. She's very kind. Make a very good employer. I don't see this as work. It's a lot of fun. Have a great laugh. You've been kind to me. You've been a good employer. And there's not there's any money changing. <laughs> when will we get paid some money for this? For when everyone, I was going to say a plea to our listeners: share it with your friends. Maybe if you really want to give us some money, Brum Radio, our loyal host, they have a shop. We should buy a hoodie or something. A hoodie? Or a mug. I have to get your face on a mug, Barbara, or something like oh, that. Let's do some merchandise. <laughs> yeah. Oh, right. All right. That sounds good. So I'll stay go tuned. I'll the drum radio shop. Mm. I'll get my face on a mug. <laughs> <laughs> right. But have I bloody made it to get my face on a piggy mug? We could have a nice... I'd like a cup. I want a cup and stuff. Barbara Nice is in the biscuit and dip your biscuit in the mug. Yes, in a right. cup of tea. Come on, Keep supporting. We, we're getting a lot of feedback, and I think after we've heard our guests, we'll, we'll get some of that feedback back. But, but it is the 50th, and yesterday, because what, what's been really nice about this is, and um, this is how we made the other ones, really, very sporadic, but we did make them like this. I would think, oh, I've said to the Paul, I'll go in, Shelley, I haven't met anybody. I'd be on a bus, and I'll see somebody <laughs> on you and go, hey, do you fancy coming on my <laughs> podcast? And that is what would happen. Or if somebody were coming to my mind, I'd just ring them up and they go, oh, yeah, I'm free, I'll get, I'll come mm. now. So yesterday when we were talking to Joel Ice, I love your chat with Joe. If you've not heard that podcast, that we made that yesterday in honour of his, um, it's a year since he got Yvonne Mosquito, then the Mayor of Birmingham City Council, to come and open up his kitchen. So uh, the Mosquito Wing was called. Mm. Uh, so I was talking to Joe and then he, he dropped the name of Nick Owen. 
Now, I know that not everybody, I'm going to be people listening across the world. Have you still got people from Iceland? Yeah, Finland and Sweden. All right, all that <laughs> lot. I, I care to you all. Um, I, you know, you might not know who Nick Owen is, but Google him. And he is a wonderful journalist. And a Nick Diamond. No, he's not called Nick. <laughs> and Diamond you know, and Nick Owen. That's right. And a Nick Diamond, which some people used to go caravanning with, with depressed at him. I don't know where that came up. So, that he's been a journalist for a very long time and he's he's known all the greats and he's he's still so interested. Oh, I don't know why Piggin said still, of course he's interested. He's a lifelong journalist and he's just a wonderful fella. And he'd been given Joe a few tips on when you suddenly like Joe's really proper famous now. And when he was cusping, I think he was finding it, you know, everybody wants a piece of you, you know. Uh, it's like me with Jean Pickles, she's after stuff off me. And I know what it's like when people want stuff off, they don't really want you for you. And Nick helped uh, Joe navigate that difficult time, really, for you know, when your career starts to go up. And it reminded me that I love Nick Owen, and I know the West Midlands, where he's most well-known, Nick Owen, although he is from Luton, he's from down south and supports Luton City. I thought, I wonder if, for the 50th, it could possibly get Nick Owen, who I've met a few times, he's very, very nice, on the programme. So I thought, take a chance, Barbara. And that's what this lockdown's all about. Just take a few risks. I don't mean going out, getting too close to people, and not, you know, I don't mean risks like that. I mean risks emotionally with friendship and, you know, link up those links. So um, I just got in touch and he said, I would, Barbara, be delighted. I said, one o'clock, he said, smashing. And I think he'll be trying to get on now. Now, it's interesting because he's been a wonderful broadcaster. He's worked with all the, you know, the great studios, UK British studios. But I've got a feeling he's on his girlfriend's iPad. And I'm not sure he knows how to pick in music. Uh, is he there, Paul? Yeah. I really can hear you very, very well. Can you? Oh, that's good, yes, isn't it? Yes, Nick. And I absolutely love listening to the whole thing. It was lovely. <laughs> Oh so dear, I'm an absolute text. disaster. I am. You are not things. a disaster because you, what I've just listened to, it's been happening in everybody's house, all up and down the country, if not the world. Yeah. With people trying yeah. to get onto all these devices, it is brilliant. I know. I mean, as I was saying, I mean, this later I'm doing my regular Midlands Today thing. That's on FaceTime, which I'm used to anyway. But then on Monday I do my Good Morning with Anne and Nick. Well, just with Anne and Nick, it's called because it's not Good Morning anymore as such. That's our regular YouTube <laughs> thing. That's on. Dropped. Yeah. Well, because obviously it's available to people at any time of day or night. And also oh, yeah. we're doing it in the afternoon anyway when we do it live. But that's on <laughs> Zoom. Uh, I did an interview with Piers Morgan the other day on Skype. Right. I did something on a thing called hanging or hang me. <laughs> What's hanging? Oh, and now like, this just one. one second. What's this Let me just check that Paul's recording this. You are recording yeah. it, Paul. Hello. Yes, it's all recording. I brilliant. I love this. This is called Clean Feed. Tell me about hanging. What was that? Uh, I can't remember now. It's just one of the many <laughs> things I was sort of talking about. <laughs> the other day. There's too many things flying around. I mean, I've just been talking to my editor on Midlands today. She was gossiping when I told her that I didn't actually touch the keyboard of a computer till I was 49, a month short of 50. Whereas, you know, most people these days obviously grow up with computers. They're part of everyday life. They're in every house. They're in every classroom. Yeah, yeah. And, and they're playing with them from the age of three or four, if not earlier. Well, I never heard of computers till I was probably in my 20s. 
Um, and then, you know, there was something I didn't get involved in. I first I vaguely came aware of them properly because they were used at TVAM back in 1983 when I went there. Um, but again, it was all being typed by other people. If I wanted to write scripts as I did, I would write it out and hand it to people. And it was the same with Midweek Sports Special, which didn't use computers. That was ITV Sport. And then Good Morning with Anna Nick, they used computers there. But again, and I would write scripts or rejig things and hand it to someone. It got, you know, put through the system. Oh, when I got to Midlands today, it was the first time I started writing all my scripts myself via the computer. So I it's taken a bit of getting used to. I know nothing about computers. When my son said to me, do you know words for Windows? All I could come up with was for Netra. But you are a little bit more au fait now with it all than Nick. Yeah, you have to be, don't you? Um, I mean, in days gone by, when I bought a new car, they had to tell me where to sit. But now... Um, <laughs> But my partner, Vicky, is brilliant and she comes to the rescue and uh, sorts it out most of the time when I appear upside down on some screen or, or can't even connect to FaceTime. It's because the Wi-Fi has gone down, anything like that. So uh, thank yeah. goodness. If I was on my own, it would be a disaster. I wouldn't have been broadcasting for the last uh, eight weeks. <laughs> Well, I know because it's been because because you actually went into sort of a lockdown, wasn't it? And you've been broadcasting yeah. from home. All this absolutely wonderful. Yeah, I've been doing bits and pieces, but I, I was sent home on March the 16th by the BBC. I was at work and I got a phone call from the head of everything who said, um, uh, I'm afraid, you know, we, we strongly advise you. In fact, we're telling you uh, today is your last programme uh, and you must stay at home until further notice. So I put the out of office on my email till July and, and came home with a tail between my legs, really. And How I was did gutted. You feel, but, love? I well, uh, yeah. I was because, um, well, it's what I do, you know, it's my job, it's my life, it sort of doesn't quite define me, but it's very much a part of who I am, broadcasting and so on. Suddenly I was told I couldn't do it through no fault of my own, obviously. I know. And what was their reasoning? Is it just because... Just because I'm uh, over 70. Yeah, I'm 72, you see. uh, Can I just say this to you, Nick? I think it's rubbish. Because you're fit, Nick, aren't you? Thank you. Yeah, I am actually very fit. I mean, only yesterday, Vicky and I walked uh, just under eight miles, you know, and uh, we do Pilates together and weights and things like that. And we're really both very, very fit and touch wood. And I'm very grateful for that. Um, So it is frustrating. But uh, I also appreciate it. And the more this has gone on and the more I've seen other people being affected by it, uh, particularly um, a man who is a very close friend of ours who's been fighting for his life and had something like six weeks on a ventilator in ITU in a coma and is now through it and has just gone home yesterday. Right. It is a marvellous thing. But um, so, so after a while, you begin to realise just how incredibly serious this is for some people. Uh, and therefore, I'm grateful to be in a, a lovely Staffordshire village uh, way out of the city and not endangering myself every day by going to work. So, you know, it's um, it, it's mixed feelings now, and I, I'm, I'm grateful, really, that the BBC took such a strong stance on it. And in a way, love, you've not stopped being a journalist, have you, love? You've not... I can imagine what it was like. Here's this great big thing happening, you know. It's like a very... A great thing. Not a great <clears throat> thing, but, you know, memorable, Huge. historic. Mm. Huge. And, of course, you want to be right in the middle of the ship but actually the way it's working is there's loads of ships on the ocean isn't there now yeah. remotely you, we've got yeah. our own pigging ship yeah 
I know it, it is bizarre, really, how the, the whole landscape of broadcasting and show business as a whole has completely changed. And it's going to be, and it's a cliche, the new normal, I think, to, for a long, long time anyway. Um, so, yeah, and I'm doing quite a lot for Midlands today. Um, I'm doing something this afternoon. I do a thing called Nick's Heroes, which is a little roundup of people who are doing wonderful things in the community for the community raising funds and so on, uh, people who wouldn't normally hit the headlines, but just giving them a pat on the back, really, and just telling them with pictures and things. People are getting in touch all the time, sending videos. And I've got a little uh, 10-year-old lad who will be on this afternoon who's climbing Mount Everest. He lives in a flat, but he's climbing Mount Everest on a step, up, down, up, down, up, down, every day. No, and he's done nearly a week now, and he's still not quite halfway. Um, raised about £1,500, which is fantastic. You know, a 10-year-old lad, it's brilliant, isn't it? It's and so many people are doing that sort of thing. And it's absolutely wonderful, and it's really nice, because um, there are obviously lots of headliners who are doing brilliant things and raising millions, including Captain Tom, my goodness. Um, but there are lots of other people in their own way working very hard to try and contribute and help. And so doing Nick's Heroes has been an absolute joy for me. It takes a bit of separate setting up and... Uh, finding out about people and organising photos and video and whatever. And also we're reintroducing a thing I used to do before called Nick Meets, where I, I chat to people uh, from the world of showbiz. Mostly it started off interviewing people that I'd had stuff to, uh, time uh, with in the past when I was doing breakfast telly or whatever. So it was lovely when people came to visit the area and I'd interview the likes of Engelbert Humperdinck or Tom Jones or Sting or, you know, whatever, status quo, a great mix of people and did a little feature, which was sort of, you know, ran alongside the main news of Midlands today. And we're reviving that now. And I'm doing it from home. And I'm doing my first one next week, actually, with the actress Helen George who was born in Harborn in Birmingham and grew up in Birmingham and has really done well for herself. As you probably saw, she sang the White Cliffs of Dover on the VE Day programme last uh, Friday night. It was absolutely wonderful. And she's uh, become a, a, a big name in Call the Midwife. She's been on Strictly Come Dancing. She was in Hotel Babylon. Um, and uh, it'll be lovely to chat to her. And we're setting up more for that particular thing, as well as, uh, you know, my heroes. What I like about this, Nick, now I might be wrong about this, but are these things that you think, I want to do these? You're not waiting for somebody to say, oh, well, we'll work out whether we can put them on the schedule. Are you, These are things you're doing off your own bat, are they? Yes. Oh, brilliant. We can do yeah. our own yeah. thing now, isn't it? You can, we can, oh, oh, yes, it's absolutely fantastic. And, and the, the thing that I was talking about with Anne Diamond, the YouTube thing, I mean, A, it's just lovely to be working with my close friend again, not having worked that much together for 20-odd years. Um, and it's something we just, you know, it evolved out of conversations with each other. Wouldn't it be nice to do something during this lockdown? And suddenly it evolved that we did this thing on YouTube. So every Monday afternoon, half past three, uh, suddenly clunk, click, clunk, clunk, clunk. Hello, are you there? Are you there? Hello. Hello. Oh, there you are. There you are in your dining room, your living room or whatever. And uh, we're suddenly and. And away we go and we chat and reminiscence, reminisce and, and drop the odd photograph in, which is being done very cleverly by one of Anne's sons, who's sort yeah. of a bit of a technical wizard, yeah. and, um, and interviewing people. And we have interviewed particularly old friends, you know, people we've uh, worked with over the years and been close to, like Chris Tarrant. Did a long half hour or so with Chris Brilliant. the other day. Brilliant. Brilliant. Which was great. And it was at the time that... Um, 
quiz show, the thing called The Quiz, which is about oh, the coffin yeah, major. Did you see it? It was fantastic. It, the, the coffin thing it was. Yes, yeah. it was terrific. And so we had Chris on uh, talking about his life and times, including the, the coffin major. And then we had the guy who wrote the quiz on with us as well. Uh, and so we talked to him. We talked to Giles Brandreth, who's another old friend. We appeared on mm-hmm. his This Is Your Life. And we had Christopher Biggins, uh, Ainsley Harriet, who started his TV career on Good Morning with Anne and Nick. And on Monday, we got an unknown Birmingham comedian called Joe Lysett coming on. Oh, right. Well, I was talking to Joe yesterday, and of course, he was speaking very highly of you. We were talking about the time he did oh. his opening his um, kitchen. He's a lovely oh, man. Now, listen, we're talking to you then. I love this idea of Nick Meats and Engelbert Umperdink, Tom Jones. You started getting me to think about Clubland in Birmingham. You yeah. started getting me to think about the Futural Brothers. Did you ever meet them? Uh, I don't think I did, but I was very aware of them. I knew where they lived, and uh, I was kind. Lots of my friends knew them, but uh, I mean, they were big, weren't they? Big, big, big. Clubs. They ran all them clubs, didn't they? Things like Barbarella's and Rebecca's and the opposite lot. Those sort of places. Yeah. Yeah. You see the the opposite lot. Yeah. They they ran Clubland in Birmingham. Yeah. I used to go to the opposite lot because when I first, I mean, I'm a southerner. I don't know whether you know that I come from. Yeah, I know you're from Luton Town. Yeah, that's right. That's where I come from, that <laughs> neck of the woods between Luton and Watford, yeah. <laughs> um, but I came to work in Birmingham on the Birmingham Post uh-huh. back in the 70s. When you finish, I, you do a shift on a morning paper starting usually around about lunchtime mm-hmm. and finishing at about 10 o'clock at night or even later. And all the pubs were closed by the time you finished. But there was one place that we knew where we'd go and get a drink and they let us in free. And that was the opposite lock, Martin Hone. Do you remember Martin Hone? Um, the guy who brought Formula 3 motor racing to the streets of Birmingham. Oh, uh, right, right. Well, my <clears> producer, Paul, will be going mad. He loves Formula 1. I remember when they tried to do that race around the city centre and they'd written Birmingham Grand Prix in uh, Crocus. That's, absolutely, that's what I'm talking year. about. Yeah, that's what Martin Hone brought to Birmingham. It was his idea and he's really into motorsport and stuff. Oh. Yeah, it was brilliant, absolutely brilliant for Birmingham. I'd moved back home down south by then. So I never saw it happening. But, um, yeah, so going to the opposite lot was spectacularly good for a late-night drink. And the uh, trouble is with all these blooming clubs, you go there and there's so much noise, you can't talk to anyone really, can no. you, except by shouting. You say, sorry? <laughs> well, I was just going to say, pardon? You yeah, know, and I like, think oh, if you've God. been in the business and if you've been working all day and all night, what you want really is somewhere quiet to have a drink and to talk to people. Now, the press yep. club in Burnham, that's the oldest press club in, to, in the country. I did something for them for Christmas with a oh, good yeah. friend of yours. Luella, Luella. Bailey. Oh, she's oh bless her. Oh, she's a great girl. So I don't whether they've got a proper club as such, but you need somewhere. You know, like those kind of places in the West End where actors go after the, yes. the perf- That's what you want, isn't it? Somewhere, Some food, maybe a bit of music in the background but able to yeah. talk to each other, not picking, shouting. You don't want that. Yeah, and you've got to sort of come down, haven't you, I'm sure, yeah. in, in, in your world after you've done a performance. You couldn't go straight to bed and fall to sleep, could you? Because you're going through the whole act in your mind that's and right. saying, oh, that's did true. I get that right? Should have done it. You, you just need to slow down. And that's why I presume people in your business don't go to bed till the early hours, do you, after you've performed? Well, often you're on, you're on a picking National Express coach in my in my case love I don't drive 
Yeah. I don't miss travelling around, Nick. I don't know whether... Do you miss going into work? I know you miss the people, but I'm quite glad not to be having to travel, commute and all that. Yeah. I don't mind being at home. I couldn't agree more with you about that. Yeah, I'm... Um... I mean, I, I don't never particularly enjoy driving, but my car, which does thousands of miles a year, has done about 50 miles in the last three months. <laughs> it, it's weird. You're saving a lot of money. Are you saving money? Absolutely. Have? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I'm really grateful for that. Yeah, I go to I live in a village in Staffordshire, about 20 miles to the west of Birmingham. And um you know, I drive in at lunchtime and finish work at 11 o'clock at night. So I always travel at good times. So that 20 miles doesn't take too long, usually. But it's great not having to do it. And all, the trouble, the, the worst thing for me in terms of travel is missing my football matches and stuff like that. Because I travel all over the country watching Luton Town, my beloved Luton Town. Even a home game is two and a half hours each way these days. So... Um, and none of that's happening, of course. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I'm not having to drive, although I am missing the office and the banter and the people. The, I mean, the humour in our office is absolutely wicked. We're merciless to each other. And it's no. uh, uh, fabulous. And it's a huge part of my life, taking the mickey out of people right. and vice versa. Really am missing that really badly. Can what I about you? Well, I don't know. Would you, what do you want me to tell you, banter-wise? Should I banter you? No, I don't mean that. I just mean, are you, what are you missing? You must be missing performances. I thought you wanted me to banter you and couldn't play anything to say to you, really. Hey, Nick, yep. living in Staffordshire. That's all I could come up with, really. <laughs> am, I, am I missing? Um, am it's I missing? real showbiz, Staffordshire. I'm, I yeah, you. I know. It's nice. In Potter is. I'm, um, I miss the audiences. Yeah. That's what I miss. I do not miss, I keep saying this, the travel, the mm. endless travel, because I kind of often with a great big tombola and bottle of Dettel, great big bottle of Lamborghini, a full raffle, I move with love. And I don't Gosh. drive, so it's all on public transport. Shouldn't you drive? Why don't you do Have you chosen not to drive? It's just never properly. The moment's never come, Nick. Do you think I should have a go? Well... I mean, you could say it's a bit late in the day to start now, but on the other yeah, hand... Computers, love. You started with computers. I know, I know, I know. The oh, bat is goodness. flying now. I really rock, don't I? Yeah. Um, uh, well, it would make life a lot easier for you, wouldn't it, if you it could wouldn't. drive? You go straight to the point and, you know, go to the car park and they'd have a space for you, a nice space for you in the car oh, park. You painted a lovely picture. What did he have me name on? Ten yards from nice. the stage door. Back in the car afterwards, get a sandwich on the front seat as you're driving back home, eating your um, egg salad or whatever, you know. So you say you're painting a luxurious, lovely picture. It, but the egg it's quite glamorous, is isn't it? <laughs> it is glamorous, Nick. <laughs> right, That's the thing, people don't... People... <laughs> People don't realise how unglamorous it can be, do they? No, that's when they come right. into a television studio, people who watch their programmes, whether it's breakfast television or Good Morning with Anne and Nick or my sports programme, Midweek Sports Special, or even now Midlands Today, people come into the studio and they just have this vision of a brightly lit, warm, cosy, welcoming <laughs> studio. And yeah, they come in, yeah. and they just see the bit that's in front of the cameras and the rest of it's all sort of dust and cables and lights hanging everywhere and empty Scruffy. cups and stuff like that and they get a bit of a Scruffy. shot and they always say to me oh, much smaller than I expected which I initially <laughs> took as an insult and then I realised they're talking about the studio 
a backstage committee you know you're all you're i've seen some terrible sights and actually what they're doing with all this stuff now with the health pandemic is a public health thing isn't it then yeah saying for people to go back into live entertainment which i hope is going to happen things are going to have to change you know we can't be expected to all be crushed into a tiny little room we've got to back yeah Honestly, the conditions in stand-up are pretty awful, really. And the number of times yeah. I've oh, I know. changed in a toilet, you know, in the public... Nothing wrong with that. I mean, I've done that all my life, get changed in public toilets. But I think what's going to happen is there's going to be a change in standards. Good good will come of all this. What, what good yes. will, will come of it, Nick? What, what would you like to yeah. see change in, love? Well, do you know that the main thing, I think, is our attitude to each other. Mm. I think we've all become quite nasty and especially through social media and things and some people are still vicious on social media however overall i think the country will be a gentler place and people will be a bit more appreciative of what they've got of who they know who they love um uh, and just be more friendly to each other and more appreciative. And on top of that, I also think we'll be more appreciative of what we've got around us in the high street, you know, whereas people have all packed into supermarkets before. They've begun to realise the value of the corner shop, oh, the local yeah. greengrocer, the local right. butcher, the local baker, and they're using them much more, and they're all doing really well from what I can see. And they're all concerned that when things go back to normal, suddenly their shops will be deserted again, and everyone will be going to get it slightly cheaper at the big supermarkets. I hope that doesn't happen. I hope this yeah. can help towards a revitalization of high street yeah i think it's been going on long enough actually nick for us to sort of see the benefit of a different way of life if it had been yeah. a week we would have been going oh can't wait to get back but now you're going yes well i'm not sure i want to go to exactly what it was and that lovely idea of the shops small the oh, it's so lovely going into small independent shops it's isn't it the quality of the experience is just a different, you're on a different yeah. planet with it, really. I know, and it's so personal, isn't it? Yeah. And you, you get to know people. And, and uh, in our case, certainly, we can walk to all these places anyway, which is so nice. And um, yeah. I, I really do hope that becomes a lasting legacy of all this, amongst other things. But I, I think on top of that, as I say, I just think we'll all appreciate a bit more of what we've got. And the countryside around, um, you know, everything has slowed down, hasn't it? And, um, you know, Vicky and I, we go from some really lovely long walks around here, all from our front door and into beautiful countryside. Really lucky, really, really lucky. Um, and you just, because you're not rushing, because you've got to get back to get in the shower, to get to work, to get there in time, or do all the, you know, whatever it is that your deadlines at work demand, suddenly you say, actually, there's no real hurry, is there? If we dawdle a bit, it doesn't matter. You know, stopping and smelling the coffee and smelling the roses, cliche, cliche, cliche alert. But, but it is a bit of that. It's absolutely true. And I just loved it when you said there's no real rush. Let's dawdle a bit. Honestly. Mm. Honestly, Nick, I think it's a nice little mantra for us to take back into that busy old rat race when we. Yeah. I don't want uh, it I tell... to be like it was before, love. I don't think it's no. so good, really. Uh, I tell you what gives me the shudders is seeing the people back on the tubes in London. Mm, I know, love. Packed onto the tube. What chance have you got if you're trying to control a virus? I mean, I don't, I don't see what the answer is because no one's going to drive to work in London because of the congestion charge and parking's impossible, etc. Uh, and congestion itself is a nightmare, let alone the congestion charge. So people have got to get to work somehow. 
And if they can't walk yeah. or bike, crikey, what, what else do they do? I think it would be very good if they kind of blew a whistle and said, right, what job do you do? Right, this is that you can do that job within walking distance of your house. That's that yeah. person who was getting a train to do that job. You can swap with them and they can do... We're all zigzagging across the country. Like, I, know. You know I mean, There's no need for that, really, is there? No, I totally agree. Yeah, that, that would be great, wouldn't it? I mean, life was much simpler and much healthier many moons ago, I would think. I know they've had the horrendous pen pandemics at the end of the First World War. And, and I remember Asian flu in the late 50s. I remember that very well. And, um, you know, that cost a lot of lives. And it was a very frightening thing. But this one is something else, isn't it? Tell us about the Asian flu then. Were people really frightened about that? I can't, I don't know what I was doing. Well, I was only about 10 years old. Right. So I wouldn't be as, a, you know, understanding perhaps of that as I should be, but schools were closing down, um, you know, for the, you know, duration and things like that. So they obviously were concerned about it. Um, and I presume businesses shut and things like that. I don't really know, but I, I do know that it was bad enough for all the schools to close. So as a, um, as a kid of 10, did what, what was your feeling? Can you remember? Were you frightened? Were you exhilarated? Were you no, I was exhilarated that school was closing down. <laughs> Time to go out playing. And glad I didn't get it. Yeah, that's right. I'm glad you didn't get it. Yeah, I, I was not great at school, really. I spent the whole time looking out the window, dreaming of playing football or cricket. Yeah. And I would what have been a professional footballer, you know, yeah. uh, if, if it wasn't for one thing. I was what bloody was hopeless. <laughs> when do you think you're going to be able to go and see live football again? What's your prediction? Well, I have no idea. I mean, seeing football on television is going to be an achievement, isn't it? They're, they're hoping to get things started behind closed doors, which is an awful concept, you know, a football match when you can hear everyone sort of talking to each other and shouting and things like that, the players talking to each other and the, the coaches and the managers shouting to the players in an empty sort of hollowed out stadium. It'll be really bizarre. Um, so, but that will hopefully happen within the next couple of months and we'll be able to watch it on television, but it'll seem very, very odd. But actually doing it with a crowd, I, I can't imagine it for ages. I mean, you think of the social distancing rules and everything we're talking about at the moment. How on earth can you go to a football match with 70,000 people all crammed together? I know. Unless How did we on earth go to the Cheltenham F Festival just before it all? Well, yeah, indeed. How did that happen? Maybe if they halved the amount of people that can go to a football thing. At least it's outside. I'm excited. Well, I think performing outside is going to be the next big thing because outside is is healthier, isn't it? And it is healthier. But for someone like yourself, for for someone like yourself who's a mm. comic, mm. it's not the same, is it? You, don't you feel? I always feel that I'm not a comedian, obviously, but I, I'm I'm fascinated by comedians. I love comedy and I love comics, and I really really admire them. Um, but I always feel that I don't know how they can really um, relate or an audience can relate to them in a big arena where there are 12, 15,000 people. Yeah, yeah, and I, I because it's so big, I think a comedian needs yeah. to see the whites of the eyes of the people they're addressing. And so yeah, an outdoor one would be that multiplied. How can you be funny outdoors? And in fact, can I just tell you, sorry, I, I do go on a bit, go don't on. I? No, you um, don't love it. It's good. I love you. Go <laughs> Bob Monkhouse, you know, one of the doyens, of the comedy business, he made this great line, because I've read a few of his books. Uh, he said, when he opens fates and things like that, I used to open fates, he never tried to be funny. He said, you cannot be funny in a field. Uh, 
That's a really good line, don't you think? It is, and I know what he means. You've just got to sort of be there. If you have, I've done festivals and things like that. Yeah, it just drifts off, doesn't it? The humour, yeah, the joke, no, the words drift yeah. off into the ether towards the, you know, the edge yeah. of the atmosphere. They don't it's bounce off the ceiling right. to people. No, and I, right. I found, I mean, I, I do after dinner speaking uh, occasionally, and um, when I've done it in a place that's like a blooming warehouse or a sports hall. It's really disappointing, the reaction. Yes, yeah, so if you do it somewhere more, more intimate, even with hundreds of people in there, yeah. the, the gags go down much better than they do in a great big warehouse of a place, I like an airport yeah. hangar. Yeah, I agree with you. But you see, I do things like stage dive. So you cannot be funny in a field, but you certainly can stage dive. And yeah. I think, I think you, could, you could work out a, a thing to do outside mm. that's sort of... Would come under the is I think depends what you think comedy is and I think people like Bob Monkhouse the great wordsmiths and things like yeah that. but there's other types of way of being funny and making people laugh I think yeah so rather than just the words or the observation it's mm. it's a broad church isn't it yeah I, I can understand that I don't think it's impossible to do yeah you have to be more clowny don't you I'd have thought I, th I think that is probably the case mm. but there might be little ways that you could I was talking to Joe, Joe Lyser, yesterday. Yep. He was saying that he remembered a time when there was a bunch of comedians going around in a van, opening the back of the van, going to places where the, not much entertainment was being taken. Like a very old kind of medieval gang of jesters, I suppose. Travelling circus or something, yeah. Yeah, get, out, get <clears throat> out, get on a little stage, entertain a small group of people, but in a park or something. So, well, not massive. Yeah, you probably can be intimate in that situation. Yeah, get in the yeah. van and drive off again. I think you can do that. Yeah, well, I hope so because I hope everyone gets a chance to to resume their mode of living and that they, you know, important. how they make a living. I know because people have lost their livelihoods overnight. Look, oh, especially in your business. Yeah, oh. and and the hospitality business as well. Yeah, hotels and places like them, restaurants and. Yeah. Coffee houses, anywhere like that, suddenly bang overnight, it's all gone. Um, my cousin is a musician. He he owns the Sid Lawrence band. Oh, the belting Sid Lawrence band, brilliant. Yeah. Multi talented Nick He was lead trombone with the Sid Lawrence Orchestra. And then when Sid retired, he took it over. So it's called Chris Deems Sid Lawrence Orchestra. And they're absolutely brilliant. And they do cruises and they do, you know, uh, shows all over the country. And suddenly, literally, he said, within half an hour almost, everything had been wiped out of his diary. Bang, gone. Um, especially awful. cruises. Especially cruises. Yeah, I do a lot of, I've empty. done a lot of cruises in my time, speaking on cruise ships. What's that um, like, love? Because I had my first job on a cruise, but then it went didn't happen because of this. What's it like working on uh, a cruise ship? Well, uh, I and we, Vicky and I, love it. It's uh -huh. a lovely chance to go on holiday. Yeah. And, I mean, you have to work. I mean, you do, um, I do the equivalent of three sort of separate speeches, different speeches, 45 minutes each, which is sort of... Um, I don't know, retailing anecdotes about broadcasting and people I've been lucky enough to meet and interview and things, including hosts and hosts of comedians. Um, and um, I, I absolutely love doing it. But I must tell you, the first time I ever did it 
we were on the same cruise as Don McLean, who's an old friend, and I'm sure he is of yours too. And uh, after we'd finished and we were saying, oh, it went well, well done, etc., sitting there having a drink with Don and his wife and, and Vicky, and um, suddenly there was an announcement over the tannoy. It said, would everyone please go back to their cabins? Would everyone please go back immediately to their cabins? We think someone has gone overboard. And Don looked at me and said, I didn't think you were that bad. <laughs> Blooming cheek. But, <laughs> He's a very clever man, isn't he? Oh, you're so Some of his now, routines listen, are brilliant. Go on. Hmm? So Some of his routines are so clever. Oh. So you've met loads and loads of comedians. and out yeah. of, I'm not asking you to pick your favourite because you've met loads, but out of, say, just two or three that struck you as you thinking, yeah. they're, they're one-offs, they are. I'm interested in the one-off. You know yeah, I mean? well, first of all, the, the, the most impressive thing I've done with a comedian, I suppose, in a way, was with Anne. We interviewed Bob Hope in his back garden. Oh, God. That'll do, yeah. won't it? I mean, that is... Were they in lockdown at the time? Was Bob in no. lockdown? <laughs> 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 it, was, uh, it was about 20 or 30 years ago now, but it was my... My father's hero was Bob Hope. So to, to go and interview Bob Hope in his house at Beverly Hills in the back garden, Dolores' wife bringing us a tray of tea and all that sort of thing, um, and get him to sign his newish autobiography to my father, that was a fantastic experience just to do that. But in, in this country, um, there's absolutely no question who my favourite is because he is my absolute, utter, ultimate hero, and that is Eric Morecambe. I loved Eric. What was he like to meet then, love? Oh, great. He was just such a nice man. Uh, His son, Gary, has become a very good friend as well. I interviewed Gary a few times after his father died. But I think John Stapleton and I on Breakfast Television did the last ever television interview with Eric Morecambe before he died. Do you know how old he was when he died? No, love. Only 58. Oh, Oh, terrible. Ridiculous. Outrageous. And, uh, yeah, uh, and there's lots of connections because Eric Morecambe uh, was a director of Luton Town Football Club and a supporter of the club. So, and I am, obviously, and I was uh, chairman for nearly 10 years. So the connection is very strong there. But he was a, he was a director when I was just one of the lads on the terraces sort of thing. But, um, but I did interview him at breakfast and he was an absolute delight. And besides you know, taking the mickey and being funny. At one stage, so it's great to have you here, Eric. Could you stay a little bit longer? Stay, I could marry you. Um, <laughs> and, and, and things like that. And so how many children is it you've got? He said, I think it's three, but I left home very early this morning, so I can't be sure. And, and Luton had played West Ham the night before, and I'd been to the game at West Ham, and I brought a programme, and I gave it to Eric, so I, I, uh, uh, for whatever reason, I knew he hadn't been there. So I said, oh, Eric, here you are. I brought you this because I know you couldn't get to the game last night, the programme from West Ham v Luton last night. He said, oh, thanks, I'll treasure that. Threw it over his shoulder and it landed on a rubber plant. (laughs) (laughs) It's one of his favourite gags, I think, that. He says, oh, thanks, I'll treasure that. Throws it away. But but so he was a delight. But on a more serious nature, he did talk about his health because he had major heart problems going way back into the 60s and 70s and he had bypass operation in the late 70s which was quite pioneering at the time and people had been phoning up with messages to ask Eric should I have this operation should my husband have it you know we're very worried about Mm. the prospect of this operation it's it's such a new thing and Eric said look at me I feel absolutely great and I've had six years since that big operation I feel terrific and he looked really really well and you know 40 
days later he died. I mean, it's just so sad um, and really sobering. But but he was an absolute delight to interview that day. And um, his son, Gary, is a big Luton supporter. And um, Vicky and I meet him for, um, and, and, his, and his wife, Tanya, quite often for lunch and things like that and at football matches at Luton. And so he's very much sort of in my mind, Eric Morecambe, all the time. Actually, yesterday, I think, would have been his 94th birthday. Right. <laughs> And I've got a little statue of him on my mantelpiece, which is the exact replica of the one on the seafront at Morecambe. Oh, and I got that, that from the sculptor who did it. Yeah. And yesterday was not only the anniversary of Eric Morecambe's death, untimely death, but of course, Joe Lysett's kitchen being open. Yep. And also today yeah, is the anniversary of my 50th podcast. So you, uh, Mr. Nick, oh. have been on my number 50. Now, that's nothing to you. You've been broadcasting for years. And years. <laughs> Any top tips uh, to somebody now? Uh, <laughs> say top it again. Tips for, any top tips? I've top tips? 50, yeah, I've done 50 of these now. Well, Should we do yeah, them well, every first day? Keeps... And a bit of me worries maybe we doing them too much what do you think about that well i don't think so but especially with podcasts people can take it or leave it at any one time can't they yeah it's not like you're thrusting yourself in people's faces they can uh, listen to it at a certain time which suits them when they're driving or something like that or having a quiet moment at home and they're fed up with looking at telly and they can just listen to something oh, so yeah. certainly don't stop doing it it's a great idea um i think it's absolutely brilliant i'm very touched that this is your 50th i feel uh Quite um, honoured. Well, you, I'm, I'm going to, to blow a trumpet taken. now. Are you ready? Yes. <laughs> the 50. <laughs> right, no, my lovely it. lad. And, and I could marry as well, but I don't think Vicky will be very keen. She'll be after me. <laughs> oh, she's very open-minded, Barbara. Is she? I remember now that <laughs> night we were in the King's Notes and we all threw our car keys in. Do you remember? Oh, gosh, yeah. You were outrageous that night. I'll never forget it. <laughs> Ooh, did I get you? The, did I send you the pictures? You did, you did, but Boots said we couldn't. They wouldn't print them. Do you remember they came back with stickers on them? Oh, that's right. Yes, of course. <laughs> yeah, I think you were arrested, weren't you, next week? Yeah, that's right. You came in, you saw me, but then you were off with Anne Diamond somewhere. And when it... yes, I know, I know. I just couldn't take hands going off, off me. With Anne. Oh dear. <laughs> yeah, we. I mean, we did we did over a thousand programs together. You know, well over a thousand. Yeah, she's a very clever woman. I saw her on the television doing a, uh, a quiz. She was better than everybody. She's very clever, isn't she? Really, yeah, she is very bright, and she yeah, just she loves is. current affairs and has been interested in the news since childhood, uh, as I have, I think. But uh, she's much more sort of forensic about it all, and she really does have an incredible store of knowledge. And um, I was just phoning her this morning before I spoke to you because we're sort of planning our next programme our with Anne and Nick, which is with Joe Lysett, of all people, yeah. on Monday. Brilliant. Mm. All right, my friend, you are wonderful. You are a legend. And I'm glad, in a way, that they said you better go on because I think you're probably doing more of the kind of work that you want to do. I know you want to go back to, for the crack mm. and all that, be part of it. but. There's something freeing about it and all, do you think? There is, yeah, liberating element. Yeah, I agree with you. I couldn't agree more. And it's lovely to chat to you because we don't see each other as often as we should, really, no, do we? No, you do owe me Because five pounds, life is so hectic. Back to our original point. That's mm. right, life's hectic. And you do owe me that money and I haven't forgotten. Yeah, was it £5.50? Uh, 
£6.50. £6.50, I'm so sorry. Okay, I mean, and one day perhaps they'll let you have a bank account and I could transfer it, but I know at the moment they won't let you, will they? No. Do you take postal orders? Uh, yeah, go on then. There's <laughs> a postal order. Bye-bye, the wonderful Nicholas. I've had a beautiful afternoon. If you're going for a walk, enjoy it. Enjoy being with Anne. Enjoy doing all your broadcasting. You're fantastic. I love the thing you do. Lovely to talk Nick's to you. heroes. You're doing your own thing, love. I'm all for that. Bless you. Take Thank care. you, Barbara. It's lovely to talk to you. Always a pleasure. So £6.50 postal order. Thank you. <laughs> right, wasn't he lovely? Wasn't oh, he lovely, Paul? Yeah. Thanks for the mention. I've got a mention about, about sport. <laughs> exactly. And about Formula One. Yeah. You, did you remember that Formula One through um, Birmingham? I was there in a pram, apparently. It's quite ironic that apparently really? I didn't like it because I was crying in a pram about it being too loud. But it was really loud. in the, All these loud engines in the city centre of Birmingham on Sherlock Street, if you know That's it. That's right. All the all the engines were vibrating around the concrete. It was deafening. You needed earplugs. How long did it last for? Do you know? I mean, I, think you know, I do know. Eighty-five to ninety, I think it was. So five years, and one of them was oh, a right. year washed out. It was completely like Hurricane Charlie. That hurricane that the weatherman didn't predict. It landed. Oh, tail is that end the of year it. that did for it financially? No, I think it was the first year. Oh, was it? <laughs> Just so uh, eighty-five to ninety. Do you know, Paul? I never went. But you I bet you heard it from wherever you are in Birmingham. Ah, ah, ah. I don't, yeah, that's, yeah. Dad used to like racing on a Sunday afternoon. Oh. That noise. That's probably why I like it. Even my dad was put it. He put on all the sport. To be fair, golf and whatever's on grandstand. But for whatever reason, I took to the Formula One. There's a gag about having baby Formula Milk <laughs> and Formula One. Leave it with me. I'll <laughs> What I loved about talking to um, Nick is many, 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 many. But I loved mm -hmm. it to the point when he said, because he's so generous and he's so nice. And of course, Don McLean, you know well. I was thinking, I don't know, picking Don McLean. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like to say anything to him. Because, you know, I was thinking, I don't know Don McLean. So that just made me laugh. Really. I did go to one of the clubs owned by the Futurals, though. I think the tail end of their career. Did but you? Uh, yeah, it's called Eddie's. Edward's number eight. Oh, right, because it was Eddie Futural, wasn't it? Yeah. Edwards number eight was uh, opposite the mailbox where Nick works, actually. Unfortunately, it uh, burnt down or went on fire. I, so. I was I was interested when Nick said, we burnt down, didn't I? I was very interested when I said to Nick, do you know the futurals? And straight away he said no. <laughs> <laughs> because, <laughs> if you know, you don't. I know a lot of people have been going, what does she mean, the futurals? The gangs, mm. they were gangsters, weren't they? Yeah. Listen, they're a nice family and I'm... Mm. Yeah, you've done a lot of cleaning from over the years. <laughs> right, so Paul, have Hello. you had any um, comments? Any more comments? Yes, which is nice. I had an iTunes review. What Looked did you say? Ooh, 30. I'm a bit frightened now. I'm frightened now. 30 Reviews stars. Me. Five. 30? Oh, no. 30 ratings of five stars. You can do more maths right. on that while I read this out. Uh, 30 times five. Uh, anyway, um, it's from, and again, it's a username, Spalmaru. Thank you, Spalmaru. Uh, we don't put, know this person. Know. Is no. it, we, don't, we, we haven't written this up no. before we go in. Oh, okay. It's very easy to find. Just look on the, if you're watching on iTunes, just look down on the comments as you right, listen I'm to the podcast. Just checking. We haven't written it. You know <laughs> no. what I mean? You, right, okay, I don't well, know how to do so iTunes. We don't do fake news on this program. Go on then. Anyway, on. okay. So Spalmaru says she saw Barb at the Fringe Festival about 10 years ago. Our right, group were so doubled over. Uh, they were doubled over, brackets, with laughter, nothing serious, close All brackets. Right. That's good to know. Um, 
recently got into podcasts and delighted to find Barbara's. It's been especially great amidst this pig in lockdown. Stole Aww. your catchphrase Um And what else? Where were we? Uh, some great guests and lovely chat. Great job, Barbara uh, and Paul. Thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, I'm woodworking, brackets, without a plan, close brackets. I'm liking these brackets. Uh, through lockdown, woodworking through lockdown. It's been great listening to your chats. I guess she's listening while woodworking. Best wishes from Durham, brackets, UK. And I look forward to catching your jigs in the future. No. And a PS, I bet Jean Pickles bought loads of toilet roll. Yes. So <laughs> <laughs> Very good. What's, it, what's she name? What's she Sp- called, the girl? Spalmaru. Now listen, Spalmaru. <laughs> I thank you very I hope you're listening to this I love Durham I love the fact you remember me from Edinburgh I love the fact that you and your pals were doubled up with laughter because that is what it's all about and you are correct and mundo kiddo Jean Pickles bought loads of pig in toilet roll and then when she thought it was self-raising flour that everybody was fighting for she cleaned the store out of that you can't move in her house for yeast she's that kind of woman so you are, you've got her right, pinned down and pin, yeah, you've got a spell, Maru. Thank you, <laughs> thank you. Bit that of passion nice. there, but <laughs> and if, so we're doing all right, Paul. Yeah. We didn't think we'd get this far, did we, when we first started? Out didn't we? Years ago. I did. Did you always have faith? Oh yes, I thought we'd never end. <laughs> I don't know what to think about that. Unless we it got never you know, end. We've got a big offer to make a sitcom or something from a big broadcaster. Because our banter is obviously so entertaining. Is that what you think? Oh, I yes. didn't give you an idea. I don't, that's, let's just be glad with what we've got. <laughs> We're just oh, making people laugh and fall true. off bikes. <laughs> mm. I've been sent a couple of masks. Nice oh, masks. Yes, you saw that. One's yeah. leopard print. Did, did mm. I ever show you them? Or oh, you can't show you them. Anymore. No, but they look Maybe on your I'll... Twitter feed and I've retweeted it, I think. So leopard oh, print right. masks. Yeah, that was nice of the user. Very nice about that. Okay, so. so you can enjoy yeah, your show tomorrow. Onwards and upwards. Oh, yeah, it's tomorrow. Now, the, the, all the tickets are finished now. Nice. So, really, really well. The doors are shut. Okay. We'll see how it goes. And if it's good, we're going to go fortnightly. Oh, okay. It's been a lot of work. So, thank you on our 50th. I would raise a glass, but I haven't got one. I've got a <laughs> cup of tea. What were you, have you got anything with you, Paul? Uh, I've got a bottle of Volvic. Hold it help? high. <laughs> okay. <laughs> bottle of Volvic. Hold it high. <laughs> so, Mrs. Barbara Nice and Friends podcast. Long may it rain. All right, love. (laughs) And cheers to everybody. If you've been listening from the beginning, if you've only just started listening, wherever you are, if you stop listening, you've come back to us. You're all pigging welcome. Thank you, kids. Enjoy your day. Bye-bye, loves. Thank you for listening to this Brum Radio podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and rate us on your podcast app.